0: Good afternoon, Orla.
1: Good afternoon, Ricardo.
0: You're listening to Dublin Digital Radio. I am Ricardo Deegan.
1: I am Orla Vegas.
0: This is The Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie that the other person hasn't seen and then we watch it separately and Skype each other to discuss it. Uh, This week's film was chosen by Orla. The film is OJ Made in America. Mm -hmm.
1: As a kid growing up in the ghetto, one of the things I wanted most was not money, it was fame. I wanted to be known. I wanted the people to say, hey, there goes O.J.
0: Directed by Ezra Edelman, produced by Ezra Edelman, Caroline Waterloo, Tamara Rosenberg, Nina Christik, Deidre Fenton, Libby Geist, Erin Leiden, and Connor Shell. Music by Gary Lionelli cinematography by Nick Higgins edited by Brett Granato Maya Muma and Ben Sozansky. Um, the IMDB synopsis is a chronicle of the rise and fall of O.J. Simpsons whose high profile murder trial exposed the extent of American racial tensions revealing a fractured and divided nation if you're a black man in America you're fighting
1: our war who's seen the reality of Black America and White America, two totally separate worlds.
0: So, Orla, why did you pick this uh, movie?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we can uh, we can get to the small. Well, see, now it feels like a small controversy around whenever this movie was or wasn't going to get nominated for an Oscar because is it really a movie because ESPN released it as a show? I would argue that yes, it's a movie. Esri Edelman says it's a movie. It is of a piece. Um, But either way, we're discussing it on our movie podcast, so I think that says enough. Um, yeah, I mean, is there a better time to to tackle something that's this long? Um, I would argue that... I don't think it feels as long as it actually is. I have watched shorter documentary series that have felt longer than this does. Um, and I think part of that is definitely not just that this is a fascinating story, but also the, the pacing and the way that uh, Edelman puts it together. Uh, before um,
0: we get going, can I ask you a very quick question? Yes. Did you watch it all in one sitting or have you watched it all in one sitting or did you watch um, the split up?
1: I think the first time I did it all in one go, because I think I watched the first episode and then I, I remember Eileen came home and I was like, you need to watch this. And I th- I'm fairly sure we got through most of it in one day, Okay. Um, I think. But the second time um, I didn't, I did it in pieces. It is interesting watching them and seeing how they flow in between each other because it's, it is the kind of thing that could have felt quite jarring having been split up
0: sin where you going to run to sin We man going to run to where going to run to
1: all on that day obviously we could talk about this forever um because it is so sp like sprawling but in a good way Um, like it's a daunting task not just because it's eight hours long um, but because of the scope of it like the decades and decades of examination Um, and Edelman has interesting guy like very serious guy um, but he said that he didn't want to sign on for this because he'd done he'd done the Magic Johnson Larry Bird documentary for ESPN before, so he had a bit of a background, um, which is very interesting as well. Like Larry Bird is a weird character. They offered him the O.J. story. They wanted to ESPN wanted to do this, uh, and he's like, "Mm, I don't know. And they offered him. They said you can have five. You can do it in five parts. You can have like eight hours if you want. And he was like, Oh, okay, because he said that the part that he wasn't interested in the murders. He was interested in the 30 years prior to the murders, which I think is. Apparent and how he weaves everything together—that it's it's not this you know about this crazy trial. It's about everything that led up to the trial and everything that happened afterwards. As they say, it's not about OJ; it's about America. Um, yeah, what's funny is I find a strange relief watching this documentary, which I I find very strange. Because I remember when I first saw this, it felt really it felt very original in a way and of, of the style of it like the first time I watched this I remember being so shocked by it mostly because I didn't know that much about OJ either so even the trial shocked me watching it the second time well maybe the third time now um, it was a relief because I feel like I've watched so many Netflix documentaries like specifically Netflix documentaries and particularly over the last while Tiger King I don't know if you saw Tiger King
0: uh, I watched the first episode today
1: oh interesting okay well I'm not going to you know, spoilered and thing. It's it's very entertaining, um, but I'm sure you picked up on this that there's like a Netflix sheen to these documentaries. Like making a murderer had it. They're they're kind of at this point churning them out, and I don't know if that's Netflix coming in and their influence over the production of them or. That they, they'll sign on to projects that fit their kind of model or whatever. I don't know what a chicken or egg kind of situation I is. think it
0: would be like they fits their model. At mm-hmm. least like in the first season of things. Because yeah. how, uh, Making a Murder, they were doing it for 10 years before the first season. That's why like the first season actually hangs together. While well, the second season is the most boring piece yeah. of television.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. But um, uh, yeah, they they have a certain style to them that is not necessarily bad. But... There's, there's, there's like, there's a tightness to this. There's, there's a completeness. There's like, you feel completely safe in his hands. Like never at any point uh, do you feel, even, even when you finally get to the murder, when you finally get to the like very graphic, very shocking murder pictures, they take so much time to get there and they are used in a particular context, they're not used to shock you. This is not like, did you watch that fucking terrible Ted Bundy documentary by the guy who <laughs> said that he didn't want to glamorize or glamorize Ted Bundy and then made two separate films about him, both of which glamorized Ted Bundy, but that's a whole other story. I haven't
0: seen it. Is that the, the one with Zach Efron, the, the other yeah, one? Yeah. I really want one. to watch that just because, like...
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, but the, the the Bundy tapes are a third of a certain i mean like i'd probably put cereal in this category as well because it's you know something that feels longer than it should be of also of a level of interview style that i feel like you don't have here which is follow up questions <laughs> like there's never any point where someone says something that you don't then have either a follow up question from another person or from him asking the question like it feels like these people are being like not interrogated but they're being they're being given like the rope to hang themselves basically and I think you see that over and over again when people of both sides he was going on a quest to try and understand more around like what the whole thing meant what it meant in, a, in like a historical context. And like, I don't know, there, there was a real tonic to watching that now because it felt, especially in, re- in relation to something like Tiger King, but for various reasons. But um, yeah, I know I'm, I'm very conscious of not talking for too long because I know that we <laughs> obviously have a lot to get to, but um, whenever you're talking about something like this, there there's a real chance of getting distracted by everything outside of it, of everything that's happened since this film came out, since the trial itself. Yeah, I do just want to, like, briefly just point out, in case we kind of don't have time to get to it, the the use of B-roll and, like, aerial shots, and, like, you've mentioned the cinematographer in this, and obviously this is something that relies very heavily on uh, sit-down interviews. Like, is, you know, unless you're doing something like Amy, you're kind of, you know, you're going to be stuck to that model, which, in you know, it's... <laughs> it's not always the most engaging thing, but I have to say the way they shoot like modern LA, the way they use those kind of slow moving aerial shots and like shots of the street and <clears throat> shots of, um, is it UCLA? Where did you go to college? And USC. Your USC brother. Um, like those sort of like slow gliding shots and like, using aerial shots in a documentary is not, you know what I mean? Using drone shots, it's not original, but it's the way that they're used. They're not overused. Um, and Obviously, editing <laughs> like <laughs> something like this that were that the, the sheer level of work and, and interviews he constantly gives a shout out to his research people because it was him and like maybe two two other people just sitting and waiting through you know decades of material. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely think that like every episode feels essential, um, particularly the last one. Like there's there's something particularly. Harrowing about the last episode, like for sure. Like, you know, when you get past the verdict and all that, of everything that happened to him afterwards, like, I remember the first time I watched that, and it, it feels it's like surreal, really. Uh, and of course, OJ is now out and free in the world again, so that's kind of interesting. But, um, yeah, like, <laughs> there's so much to get to, there's so much to talk about. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it because I remember the first time I watched this and it really had a real impact on me like it because it covers so much and as a piece of film and stuff so without further ado Ricardo what did you think of OJ Made in America
0: well first of all uh, I'll address the the question is it a film or a TV series okay. uh, I think it is a TV show uh, okay. not to say that that makes it worse for being but every hour and a half are concise and have, like, beginning, middle, end. Like Yeah, uh, they have
1: their own little arcs, for sure. Uh,
0: uh, it makes sense more as a TV show than as a movie. As in, if you took out the credits in between and you mm-hmm. watched it flat out, I think that the pacing wouldn't be correct to watch it all cor- straight through. Mm-hmm. Because there's too many, like... Uh, there would be too many rivers and valleys, let's say, uh, mm-hmm. as they say, and also... Uh, a lot of the time whenever you're starting an episode is kind of recapping what happened up to that moment so mm-hmm. if you were watching this as a movie that would make no sense let's yeah. say and my understanding is that the the version released in the cinema is just this but cut together like pasted mm-hmm. together so i do like that is it a tv show as well because i watched it fairly like one episode per evening so it uh, it it allowed it to just percolate in my brain in a way mm-hmm. uh i did like it uh i think the i don't know did you watch this before or after you're watching crime story american crime oh, before, story before before yeah but they okay. obviously
1: came out in the same year um
0: so, like, uh, I came from the other side that I've seen American Crime Story before mm. watching this, which was interesting to see, like, the guys that, <laughs> <I> like, know. <laughs> you know, especially uh, Shapiro, like, John, like, I didn't realize how good John Travolta the was. The casting
1: <laughs> is, but, like, even, the, like, Giovanni plays Chris Darden as well. Like, oh, my God. He oh, Sterling is K, so, um, so good. You think I don't understand the situation? I get it. It's payback. O.J. is the first black defendant in history to get off because he's black. The people will see who the police really. All the people saw was how well you can twist the system. This isn't some civil rights milestone. Police in this country will keep arresting us, keep beating us, keep killing us. Like, oh it's yeah. it's, it's actually insane how close some of those performances are, like, scarily so.
0: Yeah, I think the. Uh, uh, what's her face um, Marcia Clark Marcia Clark no the uh, Sarah Paulson uh, mm-hmm. is way more likeable than Marcia Clark <laughs> and portrays <laughs> the character more competently than Marcia Clark seemed to be like obviously I don't know her entire career yeah. but uh, I think that in a way like I was more disappointed with the verdict watching <laughs> the the fiction version than this version because like the the TV show doesn't like it it gets to it but this is a lot more about the idea of the the trial being OJ versus the LA police Mm -hmm. that like both were in trial and one won and one lost and I thought that was a a good approach to take and an Mm -hmm. interesting approach because then it was easier to explore the societal issues of the time and era, and how uh, this thing was just building up generation upon generation of oppression. It's like the idea that racism ended whenever fucking segregation ended. It's absolutely stupid to to think. Uh, I, I was quite surprised that ESPN as a very mainstream channel would... Present the the documentary the way that it does that they didn't hold back Ezra from like he doesn't no, pull any punches that way. Not at and, all. Yeah. And even how uh, they use ESPN as the example of OJ getting softball questions whenever mm-hmm. discussing. <laughs> yes, uh, I thought that was interesting. His domestic abuse.
1: Now here's your host, Roy Firestone. When you live your life so publicly and uh, really almost with such ease, uh, it's hard to believe that there could ever be any rocky time. The
0: reason I'm bringing that to light now is not to dredge it up again, but more or less talk about how things can get
1: distorted to such a point that you are portrayed as the bad guy.
0: When it comes to the documentary, uh, like I do think that it needs to be as long as it is, but I do think that there are uh, some... Uh not character some interviewees the get away a little bit too too much. My particular issue is with mark foreman the like <laughs>
1: it is what it is, oh <laughs> so, like
0: like he he does give him enough rope to to hang himself but uh i think that at times the, uh it would have required more because there are times that you see ezra intervening in the interviews like mm-hmm. asking follow-up questions and stuff and i think at times he holds back because he wants the clean audio of just so he can build the narrative mm-hmm. but particularly the guy that interviews uh OJ the first time when he gets arrested yeah. he gets I think he gets way too much screen time because it's not particularly important he mm-hmm. he talks stupid shit throughout and I think the, he doesn't get it enough uh, for example they didn't really press him down on the consequences of him not asking for what was OJ's alibi during the interview Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like he. Yeah,
1: they kind of more like they cut to like Marsha being like, "What the fuck were they doing? What do you mean you're running around doing what you do? What do you mean? What do you mean you 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 cut yourself in Chicago? But the blood got on the Bronco before you left. What do you mean? There's a million things that they just let go. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh my God. What I wanted was his blood, photographs taken of a bleeding finger, I wanted his fingerprints now that we've got his cooperation
0: and I was thinking that the director of the movie doing the same thing like they yeah. didn't ask him that question or the guy refused to answer or something but even him refusing to answer would be good TV let's say or good mm-hmm. filmmaking so there are moments that I think that, especially since they they are there sitting in front of you the mm-hmm. considering the approach that he's taking as a filmmaker um I think he gives them enough rope to hang themselves. But also, uh, I'm thinking of watching the movie as somebody that has the same political views as Ezra does. Mm -hmm. But I think that just based on confirmation bias, a lot of people would have listened to those sides of the interviews and go like, oh, they make sense. Mm -hmm. Because they don't get really questioned in the sense of like even if it was just like oh there's no racism in the police department or whatever and then Mm -hmm. like throw a couple facts or something like uh, you know every time that they give a false statement call them back on it the same way that they're able to do it whenever OJ is in the civil court when it comes to the the actual story I think he also misses one big uh, thing that I think that has to be mentioned, especially in the movie made, when this movie was made. Mm. It's uh, the brain injuries uh, amongst athletes that uh, causes quite a lot of violence at home in particular. Like Mm. there's um, excessive violence uh, and... Not only amongst NFL players, you have like stories like Chris Benoit, the wrestler that had so many concussions, he killed his entire family and uh, Mm. killed himself. Uh, There are uh, quite a large number of uh, NFL players that have been uh, arrested and banned from the league because of domestic abuse.
1: Um, yeah, I think you're definitely you're definitely right about the domestic abuse abuse side of things, and I think that is where it's not that it doesn't talk about it because obviously they talk about it like all when they have all the like incredibly like disturbing nine one one phone calls and all the times where she's like pleading with them to help her and you know how enabled he was and how he was able to get away with it with all everyone around him as well. But I was thinking as well, like even especially when it comes to like college football and like know how how many allegations like stuff like you know sexual assault and like domestic abuse that there are around athletes and how like institutions like who was it who was in the who like attacked his wife in the elevator uh
0: there was a, a Ravens player it was an NFL player what's his name Ray rice
1: yeah, yeah. and how for Decades, the NFL just ignored that behavior, in the same way of how colleges ignore the behavior of, like they don't really even delve. And I know it's like the thing is like something that is this broad is gonna not have time. But I think, but I, I, th- I
0: but at the same time, it is something like, but it's not only like that is uh, endemic within the sport; it's mm-hmm. also endemic within that sport because of the amount of brain injuries that players get. the uh, even afterwards, the rate of suicide amongst retired NFL players is incredibly high, and uh, when whenever they do the autopsy, they see that their mm-hmm. brains are turned into mush. Pretty yeah, much,
1: old, it? yeah, just whole bits of your brain that doesn't grow back. So uh,
0: <laughs> I think that is the only time that uh, I can feel the corporate powers that be holding hovering over the. The film because considering that it hits every single other uh, Mm. aspect including ESPN the way that it treated OJ and but at the same time is that the ones to blame for uh, the danger that these players go through is the NFL and the NCAA NCAA which um, manages college sports Mm. and I think, considering that ESPN also does Monday Night Football for the NFL, it'd mm. be a little bit too much to link I, one uh, and the other. Like that I don't, it is.
1: I don't know. I, I don't know if if that. Obviously, we don't know if that's what happened, but he does address it. I've seen him talk about it in interviews of of why he doesn't include it and his reasoning. Whether or not he's being truthful about this is that he felt like because they can't know. You know what I mean? Like we, there's, you know, there's certain levels of evidence that this could have, what well, happened to OJ, but at the same time, they, they're they not going to know until he dies basically and they're able to like do the autopsy and stuff. So yeah, but it's still it would be like a way of like not excusing it, but of, I don't know, of like giving a reason as to why this happened and it would have become more about that than about everything else of, well, of, of, of how he was able to get away with it, not just of, Yeah, but it's
0: still, know, uh, if you're, portraying the the film as this is the whole story Mm. like uh, considering also that the position that oj played was one of the ones that you get injured the most because you you lead with your head and considering Mm. that in all the seasons that he played he never got physically injured like he didn't miss games and stuff like he didn't break Mm. any legs or anything so every season that he played was a full season And also they mention in the documentary Numbers of times that he'd be carrying the ball 50, 60 times a game Mm. Just getting smashed around And um, I think that even if you take the brain damage out of it There is a correlation in the way of having like A violent career Where you're like managing anger and violence And then when that ends it's
1: It's being encouraged on the field, yeah, but you're not being given any tools to deal with it off the field. So, yeah, like I think I think you're you're, you're right that it is, and even it's a decision that they made, and I I do wonder why.
0: Well, I think that it is a, a corporate decision uh, mm. because, like, if they even mentioned it slightly, I'm not saying that it should have been the lead story or something, but I think that is mm-hmm. considering that that information is out there and he knows about it. I think it's quite disingenuous that it's not mentioned. Because even the timeline, like he's... uh, All the recordings of him creating domestic abuse come after he retires.
1: Mm. Well, his first wife claims that he was never violent towards her, like ever.
0: I think this uh, documentary also does a little bit better of a job to honor... What's the name of the guy that died? Oh, Ron yeah, Goldman. Yeah, the, yeah, I think that's the true. The TV show is a little bit too focused on Nicole. Like yeah. they mention him a few times and and such, but and I'm surprised that the, the uh, Ron Goldman's dad is not played by Alan Alda because. <laughs> perhaps Actually, he yeah. perhaps he can't grow that fucking mustache but <laughs>
1: the mustache is wonderful
0: um i have a a a, a few questions for you mm. um first of all uh do you think oj got away with murder like that's a why <laughs> are you like martin shane
1: you may think you know the story we find the defendant not guilty of the crime of murder but you don't. Do you believe that O.J. Simpson committed the murder? No. I believe there was a cover-up to conceal the truth. A new investigation. There could have been two people. That makes more sense. Um, I did actually fall down a great rabbit hole of uh, conspiracy theories around who they think actually did it, which was quite funny. But um. Uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> very convinced that Ho Chang did kill his wife. Yes, I,
0: I do think he got away with it, but also I think that he was framed for it. It can be both, <laughs> because I do think that Mark former planted the glove.
1: oh why?
0: Obviously, like uh, you can never be a hundred percent sure on these things, kind of thing, but. Like, even in the interviews and stuff, like, he comes across as a guy that would do that. You're saying what's on those tapes is
1: not reflective of your attitudes or your experiences. I don't know how you feel or see me, but I can tell you this. You would be shocked if you saw me in the field. I was so fair beyond but also yeah, but
0: <laughs> but the the part that made me think about it is uh, you can't remember if it's Johnny or the guy that actually gets interviewed in the documentary oh. that works in the same firm he, that they started well, he
1: was co counsel or like well, he was on the team
0: and they start asking him when they're uh, initially doing the the first uh, cross-examination of Forman. they asked him uh, if he had informed the other troopers where he was going and it's like the first thing that they say about Furman and the thing is that he's very methodical and he was like, would know tactically what to do in situations like that because he was in the, like seen a lot of action as a cop, let's say. So be the um, not letting them know where you are, let's say, especially if you go into that little alleyway, considering also that they're uh, going to the main suspect of a double murder at the time.
1: They didn't well, know he was a suspect at this point. That, Like at that point, they didn't even know if he was there or if yep. he was injured or anything.
0: But at the same time, it's what they say uh, three or four times in the documentary as well. And I think it was making a point that the uh, husband is always the first suspect mm. in that case. And police treats it that way. So it's... Uh,
1: it, I, 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 just, I don't believe that he would have had the forethought of like taking it with him on the way over before even knowing that he was going to be able to get to do it because you know at that point like he would have had to do it bef- like before they leave Rockingham yeah. he would like this they haven't yet seen the blood on the Bronco The bro- they haven't even seen the Bronco so he has to have taken they it they
0: saw the Bronco first that's what gave them the excuse to go in because they yes, see blood in but the Bronco at this
1: point he's at OJ's house he's He's yeah. He's at. He's not at Nicole's house He's so he would have had to take it before going over to, to OJ's house. So he would have, like, I, I just, no. <laughs> I don't know why he would do it, though. Like, that's, it's so...
0: Because of what they said in the, in the earlier thing, for one is that Furman had been there before, twice, for domestic abuse. He's also somebody that, like, a number of times people say that he hated when black men were with white women. I think that it would be more that he took the glove And then if he had the opportunity to drop it somewhere, he would like if he saw that like a correlated or whatever that like there wasn't a a chance, like, you know, like if fucking he showed up and somebody goes like, oh, yeah, I've been with OJ the, the whole afternoon or whatever. But when nobody came with an alibi or whatever straight away, I think that also the the fact that like it's hours after and the blood, like the way that he discovered that that the glove was glistening with blood or whatever the way that they mentioned, and also the main thing is what the guy that works in Corcoran's office says in the interview, is that policemen don't frame somebody that they think it's innocent, hmm. they frame somebody that they know they think they know it's guilty and they plant the evidence to make their life easier to pro- to I, I, prosecute yeah, yeah.
1: i i think that's fair but i just don't think the timeline of it makes any sense i i don't i you know i think if this if we if we could like show that he could have done it afterwards after but i don't knowing, think that Furman, knowing that it was going to help knowing that it was going to help his but that's the case. thing is
0: that i don't think that like i think that Furman the same way that In a similar way that OJ behaved without thinking whenever he was committing the act. I think Mm. Furman did the same because of like going to like if you put the like in the documentary they uh, portray it as something that is like was very factual based or whatever. But like Furman going into the, the scene where Nicole is in the Bundy Street scene and then they just hopping in the car with him because they say you've been there before so you know where the house is and just legging it to Rockingham mm-hmm. like I don't think that it was as especially you knowing the LAPD I think that they were like hoping to find something more there like more evidence more like you know like OJ covered in blood or something like <laughs> Which, the sa- the I same way that <laughs> Yeah, the, the same way that, like, how clearly they didn't fucking, SWAT didn't shoot him because it was televised.
1: <laughs> like, you know I what think I mean? He was OJ.
0: <laughs> no, but I I don't think that it, for a second, if the TVs weren't there, they'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, OJ, we shot first, whatever, you know? Like, they just go shoot the gun that he mm-hmm. had. And then the SWAT guy, uh, you get in his phrasing what he actually means, that he goes, Oh, I had to make sure that this didn't end with the, like, somebody's life ending because of the Rodney King thing. It's not that it's just oh yeah, like every situation should be dealt that way, you know. That is like try to avoid that. No, we're just doing that to prove the uh, we can do it peacefully.
1: But the whole but the whole Rodney King thing would never have happened if they hadn't got rid of the chokehold. This. Is what happens when you take away a tool that would have ended this in 10 seconds. Choke. Some of the moments that really prove, that, that show how nothing has changed in people's attitudes and like ignorance around race, I think is in uh, the interviews with the Hertz guys. Like, there are, yeah. which I think is a great. I think, inclusion, and even that they they bring them up again later afterwards, and it's like, I just couldn't believe it, I couldn't believe it, O.J., oh my God. For us, O.J. was colorless. None of the people that we associated with looked at him as a black man. He's African, but he's a good-looking man, you know, he almost has white
0: features. He wasn't the typical black look, African look. The director friend of his, Peter Heinem, that he mentions that it's like, oh, I couldn't believe that the blacks who could have so much anger against the whites. And I'm like, Jesus, you're lucky that you're not in a guillotine right now with what your fucking people have done to black people in America. Like, <laughs> if anything, they've been very civil about most things, you know? Like, uh, the, the part that I think both, uh, both in this and in the TV show, the. Uh, I struggle sometimes to empathize with the defense team, and uh, mm-hmm. sorry, not the defense team, the prosecution. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Marsha and um, Marsha and Darden, um, mainly because they're incompetent as fuck as well. But they're really uh, they're well, they weren't the case as in they weren't prepared to for the case that it was I'm sure that there were really good lawyers in and out uh, yeah there's
1: more backstory given to Marsha and why she was chosen and what like she'd done so many domestic abuse yeah cases and she was a star like there was a reason why she was picked but
0: I think that they botched the the prosecution I think also it's like besides the racism like the fucking LAPD is so incompetent (laughs) And uh, she's
1: the evidence gathering
0: and it annoys me that like uh, the way that the defense for the whole of this and in the TV show also still to this day complained that it was the tactics of the defense the judge Mm -hmm and the fucking jury that was at fault also the tv show kind of and this also side with them in a way because it doesn't counter argue that for example that even like they keep complaining about uh cochran's defense whatever it's like and Cochrane is right in everything that he did as a lawyer Like, Mm. that's your job as a defense lawyer.
1: I did think Like, it
0: annoys me to no end that they go, like, oh, yeah, but he's using tactics. It's like, like, you shouldn't have brought race into the case. It's like, well, okay, so it's your fault that your police force is so fucking corrupt and racist that you you can break... You can bring race into any fucking trial that is, like, a black man being arrested. There's racial connotations because of your police force. But also, it's like the the way that they're completely they completely shit on the on the people of the jury. But even the way that she approaches it, like the end is like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't pay attention to uh, what they're saying because it's just crazy talk or whatever, you know, like uh, instead of actually debunking. Each argument, why it's crazy talk. And during the entire case, they keep just, you know, it's the they way. They made
1: assumptions almost that, like, there's no way you could really believe what he's saying. That's like, rather than arguing, like, it's. it's I, I kind of get what you mean of, of that they don't, that the, they side with the defense, but I, I do think that there's nothing more, like, gut wrenching and, like, oh, of, like, seeing how Darden fucks up. Yeah, like...
0: but that—that that is the one kind of like, no, there's no two ways about it is uh, like mm-hmm. a fucking unforced error. That's, mm-hmm. that's it. Your Honor, at this time, the people would ask that Mr. Uh, Simpson step forward and try on the, the uh, glove recovered at Bundy as well as the glove recovered at Rockingham. Everything else, even like her closing argument, she goes like, oh, I, I knew that I lost it because they weren't listening to me. And like her closing arguments are terrible because most of the time in her closing argument she's fucking mentioning the defense's argument. <laughs> uh, like how the like so much of trial uh, uh of being trial lawyers is about creating the narrative that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if they had the narrative the that makes probable. that makes more sense, just keep mentioning that rather than it's like. Just ignore the Mark Furman as a racist if that's your your the the bit that the jury is gonna trip on. Just show how your evidence is the most powerful one. But I think they there is such a high level of hubris on that side that like they sleepwalk through the prosecution, and mm-hmm. then they just couldn't believe that the defense had a defense.
1: There's there's one moment where someone says
0: this was. The
1: definition of the trial lawyer's mistake. Don't ask a question to which you don't know the answer.
0: I quoted that when we did Anatomy of a Murder. Yes,
1: that's, that's what I was thinking about. I, was like, yeah, a um, I did see somewhere of someone saying that, you know, the the amount of interviews that they got is really admirable. But not having Chris Darden there is a real... Because they mention him so much and so much of the like, the like, dramatic errors rather than the like behind the scenes just not having a proper strategy like you have his like big moments with um with cochran and everything yeah, but um, i th-
0: but i think at the same time because uh, at that it, all those uh, moments where him versus johnny i think mm-hmm. the, in a way it works because you don't have johnny's side either
1: yeah, because Johnny's so like they both given equal so...
0: equal weight kind of thing because mm-hmm. otherwise it'd be more about like what well, what was Johnny thinking or whatever. I think that John like I don't think that Johnny was as cynical as people give him credit for. Like I think he mm-hmm. loved getting the money that he did for the case and stuff. But mm-hmm. I do believe that they he thought that there be a, that there was a miscarriage of justice. Like, Mm. I don't know if you thought that OJ was innocent, but at the same time, it is, like, important in a way that you get, you're put behind bars for the right reasons. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, there's no sense of justice, really. Like, you don't fix the system if you get somebody that is guilty in jail. You know, it's like fucking putting Capone in jail for doing <laughs> tax evasion, you know, like like technically it's justice, but uh hmm. doesn't say a lot that your system it doesn't works. Change, yeah. It
1: doesn't change anything, yeah.
0: It is kind of They were just bad at it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Marcia Clark just bad at it. <laughs> no,
0: like like you said that she probably did. Uh, uh, she she did have a history of doing amazing cases. She become mm-hmm. a great writer apparently, and like she yeah. tried the great cases afterwards. But it's like, in this case is that, even if you take the television out, is that at no point she changed the way of her approach because of the racial context? And I think mm-hmm. that. Uh, like even if you don't bring the specter of it into the courtroom the way that the defense did, there's it's always there. gonna be there. And also probably the, the the cases that she tried before was either uh and this I remember from the TV show, that there were either especially domestic cases where a black man with a black woman or a white man with a white woman. Mm-hmm. In LA at that time there would be already like a connotation of a black man with a white woman. Mm. And then also the idea, like, it's a very easy to see why you're able to plant the seed of um, somebody being Gosh. framed for it. <laughs> because it's what, like, shit, If, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if I think OJ is guilty and was framed at the same time, like, uh, <laughs> coming into it, like. Like from watching the TV show But also like even before watching the TV show I had read quite a bit about his case Just out of curiosity beforehand mm, okay. so, so I I didn't come cold to either one Like mm-hmm. the uh, Obviously like I didn't have an idea of the characters Let's say because both does a good character uh, A good job of creating characters That you can try to understand And try to empathize or sympathize with But uh, I didn't I understood this the the basics of the trial but also the basics of oj's career and stuff but that's from just my knowledge of american football that i used to follow Mm. quite a lot so i knew his career i think that i got to it (laughs) that way because there was uh, a guy called chris johnson that broke his record of rushing yards so Uh uh, whenever they kept mentioning that it was OJ then I went back and I was like oh it's the naked gun guy and then uh, (laughs) I started I started reading into it but also like uh, I do I I didn't know quite a bit about LA history especially when it came to racism with the police force because I've read uh, a few books by your man that did LA Confidential because it was just quite Mm -hmm. interesting how because of the population shift into LA from the 30s up to like 1960, that quintupled the population, that the police force had to increase at the same rate. Come to Los Angeles. The sun shines bright, the beaches are wide and inviting, and the orange groves stretch as far as the eye can see. There's a, another TV show that uh, it is very flawed, but very interesting as well. Very good, I think, uh, called Southland. Uh, oh, with, uh, your man, with Ryan from see, USA. Yeah, and uh, Bull from Bando Brothers and Regina mm-hmm. King from Watchmen.
1: Four million people and only 9,800 police to protect them. You're a cop because you don't know how not to be one. If you feel that way, you're a cop
0: if you don't you're not you decide very good like I think that it's kind of like every episode like there'll be like murder cases and stuff but as well like just episodes that people you're just they're investigating Like they're just patrolmen so sometimes you're just investigating somebody shoplifted or mm. so I do recommend it if you have a lot of time just so I can say that somebody else has seen it <laughs>
1: uh ricardo what was your favorite thing
0: like i think uh my favorite thing is how well researched the, the documentary mm-hmm. is i think that anything that is non-fiction is there's two things that really uh, make a difference is the research and the access and they had both and mm-hmm. this they read it. so i think the um, that way, you're able to portray a, a a fuller picture on the events that you're trying to get at. Like in general, I did mention like a, a couple of criticism about the interviews, but I think in general they're carried out with uh, a reasonable light touch on both sides, kind of thing. I think it'd be, mm. it be would have been annoying if the I I kind of understand that how the LA that you don't want the cops to become too defensive too quickly but at the Mm -hmm. same time considering how you don't have to interview them chronologically Mm. that they could have like left the heavy shit at the end get all that they got and then re-ask them questions tougher questions at the end and it's like oh Mm -hmm. okay they've already signed the fucking release form like uh Well at the same time Like uh, I wouldn't want to be Like on the wrong side Of Mark Foreman Because he has the very same Fucking Behaviour as OJ Of being able to be like Really charismatic And then uh, At the same time Like yeah. uh, You turn around Like he stabs you In the fucking ass
1: <laughs> Alright What um, was your favourite thing? Uh Well my favourite thing uh I think was Probably Ron Ship. Ship? Ship. Shep, Shep? Um because I, I think the way, I, I think his, like this, there were revelations that came out in those interviews that I think that they, they didn't know about as well. I think that, that that ended up being a very, very rich source. When I was 16 years old, I made an all-star team down in Los Angeles and they had a banquet. And while we we're eating, the guy who was running the whole show, he says, okay, I want to introduce a guest speaker tonight, O.J. Simpson. And I was like, wow. I said, O.J. dude. here. This is unbelievable. OJ, when he walked up, he said, "First of all, before I start, is Ron Ship here?" I put my hand up. I was like, is this, "Is this for real?" And he goes, "Are you the brother of Michael Ship?" And I said, "Yes." And he goes, "Hey, everybody, I just want to tell you about uh, Michael Ship, his brother. We played against each other. He's a great guy, so and so." And Ron, if you're anything like your brother, you know, and he like made me an instant hero in that room. I, mean, I fell in love with the guy right then. I was like, this is the most incredible human being. It's, it's the whole circle of that friendship and, and of him describing, seeing the pictures and him, you know, basically him realizing at the point that everybody else should have realized that, oh my God, I cannot, have, I cannot be around this person. He did this. And when he sat down, I said, I'm testifying. He said, what? I said, I'm testifying. Whereas you know people like say his manager, um, it wasn't until, see what point was it that he decided? When well, he was, was too like
0: uh, having sex with women <laughs> and uh, his kids. Think of your kids, man
1: yeah think of think of your kids also i think at this point i probably got all the money out of you that i'm going to so i think now is the time when i'm going to take my stand and also write my book because he wrote a book about it and also the way um, that he kept
0: robbing him <laughs> like just a really yeah. like it's gas
1: the name the name of the book is the fucking oh my god it's um how i helped oj get away with murder i was <laughs> like oh you seedy seedy fucker um but uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think Shep's interview, or Shep's interview, because he's so, uh, like, the emotion that you see from him and like how even that he got destroyed on the stand as well for like his own personal problems and stuff. And yeah, I, I find like that, that as, an, as a kind of an anchor throughout everything, because so few of the interviews are people that you can really kind of like like, empathize with. Even, like, interviews with, like, people like Marcia Cleric and stuff where you're kind of a bit like, mm, you just did your job wrong though. You know, like, someone like him who's just a normal guy who had this idol and, you know, loved Nicole and in the end had to be, like, you know, it's quite... I find I find his interviews very affecting. But, uh, what was your least favorite thing?
0: Well, like, it's, uh, three things, I think. It's, uh, the... Um...
1: Oh. <laughs> It'd be... One per hour.
0: It'd be the the fact that like I mentioned about the interviews that a couple of people get a little bit let off in my my view hmm. um, I think also that the, I didn't mention it before but I think that a lot of the documentary goes on to argue that OJ betrayed his race because mm-hmm. he acted as a quote unquote white man kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a bit racist in itself like uh,
1: it's kind of like what they would say about Obama yeah but he wasn't black enough yeah
0: that's the like you know but like the problem with Obama is that he didn't use his position of power to like uh, to actually make that much of a difference in black communities and like poor communities Mm -hmm. like Flint, Michigan or whatever which is quite surprising for somebody that uh, grew up as a like
1: Chicago and also
0: like he was a community organizer in Chicago so like we would have been working Mm -hmm. on the projects and stuff but I think like for an American football player it's not your job to be it like I think that you can say like I disagree like if I was in that position and I had that platform I tried to do or any platform I tried to do the best I could for as many people as I can kind of thing but also there's a lot to be said that is like well, he didn't want to be the the warrior or whatever. And there's also a mm. lot to be said to the fact that if he was as combative as Muhammad Ali, let's say, he wouldn't have gotten in being the first black person to get into golf courses, some clubs mm. or whatever. That the same way as Jack and Robinson was, he was the first one in. And once the first one is in. It's easier for the second and the third and the fourth to get in.
1: Mm, paves paves the way.
0: And I think that there's a, that you need both the person that just is there to, you know, like to change society as slowly as possible kind of thing. I, I I don't think that it reflects particularly good in OJ that he did that and also the way that he acted differently between white people and black people. But mm, I think he manipulated everybody. Basically. Yeah, but I like, think it that it's no also game. completely disingenuous the way that they sell that, that. everybody acts differently to a certain extent with what group you're in. The way that you act to your children, childhood friends, is different to the way that you act with your college friends. In many ways, because you have different fucking. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: but there are extremes to that uh, <laughs> that he practiced that. Yeah, people felt was disingenuous because yes, it was all to his own advantage. Yes,
0: there is. A, a,
1: a And to make more money, ultimately. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, I'm not saying that he's completely uh, flawless within like his behavior. Like, I'm not excusing him a hundred percent. But I think a little too much time is given to that rather mm-hmm. than, let's say if you focus more on the thing of how he controlled people for their for his own benefit, the way that like even how he used Ship just because were you friends? No, he just called me when he needed police shit, but I felt we were friends, but it doesn't go into just like time like it comes back time and time again about how he abandoned his community, but it doesn't go time and time again how he was actually individually using everybody. Mm. that in a way the way that he says that he wasn't racist like he treated everybody equally equally shit (laughs) but like uh, i'm not black i'm uh, that even in the end it was just that like he went back to his community because like to the black community just because it was the the only community that would have him because it's like they said as, as soon as you're not oj you're not welcomed i don't know like i don't i don't think that it is as well as nuanced as other things that other aspects of race that this uh series addresses are far more nuanced than this this is mm. like for the lack of a better analogy is black and white he betrayed <laughs> his community and that's the way that they sell mm. it and i think that there is like an argument that like if he was doing what he was doing but actually doing stuff behind the scenes it would have been fine mm. kind of thing it's just that in his personal life he wasn't doing it either and the the third thing just to be very brief the narrative that, the of the case the narrative of the case is that they presented a poor uh, the prosecution presented poorly and the defense presented out of their skin and mm. to say that did it mean that somebody that should be in jail walked yeah but the narrative shouldn't be that it's like oh yeah it's the defense fault it's like that's their job (laughs) like you can't (laughs) you know it's like oh I'd only win this football match if they're forward the other team's forward didn't score five goals it's like
1: (laughs) that's the thing is that like it is infuriating because you're like oh no but it's quite it is very impressive to watch at the same time of like even whenever they bring in the guy who like decimates the evidence collection and everything and like just every person, every member of the team just was working at their ultimate best like every single person like well it also helped um,
0: the 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 prosecution team was working at its worst from the very beginning well
1: yeah, where... That as well. well
0: and it's also like the scary thing is that all the other cases where the evidence was equally poorly collected in cases that didn't affect a celebrity mm-hmm. you know and yes if it is as poorly collected, it can be said that this one, the evidence was there to. But if you catch a guy that uh, the evidence is actually not pointing at him, but because you collected it poorly.
1: Yeah, exactly. That swings the other way. Because
0: even the the, the thing of covering Nicole's body with the bed sheet that uh, OJ might have slept in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if it is, it's very easy to see that. So I think that... The narrative both of this and the TV show It's kind of like the Normal narrative that it's usually Portrayed that it is like It was a miscarriage of justice that they He got away Mm. and I think it's like Mm -hmm. No it wasn't (laughs) Because (laughs) like You fucked up so it would have been a Miscarriage of justice If he went to jail even though He should be in jail (laughs) What was your least favourite thing?
1: Um probably like what we were talking about um like maybe like less the traumatic brain injury but more the the culture of like 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 extreme misogyny and like hyper masculinity it- and everything and the the use of anger and rage and in, in uh in like professional sports like that and how how that is very there's a very clear line to be drawn between that and the amount of like domestic abuse and sexual assault cases that are brought against these people and how up until I mean, you could say still that a lot of them are brushed under the carpet by colleges or by the NFL or by various powers that be because the person that's being accused is too valuable. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really delve into that. It obviously there's there's a lot there's a lot about like the domestic abuse about Nicole and stuff, but it, it doesn't really place it it's all they don't place it as as broadly as they do with everything else around OJ that like oh OJ was just abusive doesn't really think about why as much as the other elements of And him. i
0: think that the culture and the brain damage is uh, goes hand in hand when it comes to that i don't think the mm. like um, yeah no
1: I, I agree with that yeah uh
0: but yeah like uh, i think that if one was brought up the other it had to be brought up as well because otherwise mm. You know, like, because baseball players do a lot of bad shit, but, like, uh, you don't see the same rate of issues, especially when it comes to it's violence. it's, like, the
1: calmest sport. <laughs> or, indeed, golfing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, you, you'd have, like, me- many you know, megalomaniac people and stuff like that, but not to the... It's, like, the rate of offenses that they cause, but it's the part that they go, like... A lot of racists would say, oh, it's because American football is predominantly played by African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that culture is not there in basketball. And basketball is also mm-hmm. predominantly played by African-Americans. Because yes. I, I, I don't think that, like, excessive ankle injuries will cause you to murder someone.
1: <laughs> 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 um." And then whenever they die and they cut up in their ankle and it's just full of holes. Full of holes. Um, <laughs> just like the prosecution's case. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you liked it. Um, I'm glad that it didn't feel like a chore having to sit down and watch I it. I know, it
0: was very things. good. Uh, it did feel like a TV documentary, but a good one. It's not mm-hmm. a complaining. Yeah.
1: No, I know I know what you mean. That It's not, it's not a... I highly recommend anybody who has spare time to sit down and watch it because even if you don't care about sport even like even if you don't care about true crime it's you know if you have any interest in history or like societal change or lack of change um, I think you should you should check it out it's worth your time is what I would say but, uh, yes it yeah, is I, but I'd yeah. also
0: I, I would also give uh, two thumbs up
1: <laughs> two enthusiastic thumbs up uh, where can I find us? Recurring?
0: they can find us at home <laughs> They can find us on Facebook, The the Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rec Game, on Mondays on Dublin Digital Radio, and you can see our back episodes, well, listen to our back episodes on the Dublin (laughs) Digital Radio Mix Cloud, and we're live on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday, 11 to
1: 12. (laughs) Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. Yes. What are you picking?
0: the Criterion Collection release of Michael Camino's Heaven's Gate
1: specifically that one yeah <laughs> restored by Martin's <laughs> Sky's probably oh, I- uh... <laughs> the man has done a lot um, cool well until then I was Oral Mookiness I was
0: Ricardo Deacon
1: thanks for listening
0: see you in two weeks now